going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. This is episode 44, the Syracuse Jim Brown episode, the Leroy Kelly episode. This is a good one. 44 is a big number. Uh, Ernest Biner, these are some Browns Hall of Fame running backs. Peyton Hillis, which was a craze. Everybody knows Peyton Hillis from the uh, you know 2011, 2012 horrible Browns, Mangini Browns era. Uh, not a lot of people my age know who Leroy Kelly is, and you know Ernest Biner. Probably people picked up on after the Believeland uh, thirty for thirty. So I think a lot of people know who he is now. And more recently, Nate Orchard, who is currently on the Browns. So forty four is a big Browns number, but not here to talk about the Browns entirely. We got one week until my favorite sports day of the year, the NFL Draft. Now it's one week. You know, today is April 19th. A lot of people get really excited about the draft. A lot of people do not care about the draft. Now, how did I get into it? I mean, outside of being a Browns fan and having a season that's usually filled with a lot of downs, more downs than ups, uh, you know, a lot of Browns fans get really into the draft. But for me, it started back when I was in high school. So I uh, had watched the draft a couple times. You know, with my dad, because it was a Saturday afternoon, you know, there's nothing going on in April, and we would turn that on and kind of just get excited, because hey, you know, maybe maybe one of these guys can help the Browns. So I never really got so into it, but I just started following, because it was just always cool to me to pick up these, you know, brand new players, college players, guys I've heard of, and get into it. And then my junior year, Browns are the third overall pick, and that was a really good year for Notre Dame, and I was really excited, because Brady Quinn a longtime Browns fan, a Notre Dame, you know, record holder, and, you know, pretty boy. Every, everything you could want in a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, everyone thought Brady Quinn, he's going to be the guy, and he wanted to go to the Browns. The Browns are the third pick. So I started getting really into it my junior year of high school. Now, they didn't take him at three. They took Joe Thomas, who at the time I was like, oh, man, I really wanted Brady Quinn. And if we weren't going to go Brady Quinn, I would at least want, like, Adrian Peterson. So Joe Thomas, I wasn't like sour on the pick. I understood why he's good. And and, and I, I learned to love him like immediately when I found out that he wasn't at the draft. He was fishing with his dad. I'm like, that's pretty cool. I, I think I'm going to like this guy. And that was right when I was, you know, getting into football too. You know, that was my junior year. I had just started at left tackle my whole junior year. So I could appreciate what a good left tackle can do for his team. So Joe Thomas was taken third overall and History's been written. He, 11 years later, retired as you know record holder for over 10,000 straight snaps, 10 Pro Bowls, 8 All-Pro teams, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest offensive linemen of all time. So pretty good draft pick. And then the Browns traded back into the first to get Brady Quinn. They didn't give up the whole lot. It ended up being Felix Jones and a later pick. So it's not like they gave up a, a ton to get Brady, but... Everyone knows Brady Quinn didn't really pan out. And, uh, you know, some of that's on ability. Some of that's on he got a little scared when he was in the games. And some of it's on the coaching, Eric Mangini. So, uh, you know, he, he he went from Cornell, who was sitting, you know, and then Mangini, who he kind of was thrown in there and then played when he wasn't ready to play. So, you know, he he's part of the very long line of Browns QBs that didn't work out. But that was just the beginning. You know, that was the beginning of everything. It was that junior year really got me into the draft. And then when I was in college, 
I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to really get into it. You know, because in college you get into whatever you get into, but they, uh, then I started doing a little like, hmm, what could I see the draft turning into? I started doing a little mock draft action, you know, typical types of players that the Browns should be going for. I was a big fan of Ray Maluga and Aaron Curry that year and Clay Matthews Jr. I wasn't a big fan of Alex Mack, who the Browns ended up with, and hey, that turned out to be a really good pick too. You know, he's been a all pro with the Browns and the Falcons now. So, yeah, and then... You know, that was also the beginning of Brown's horrible draft picks, whereas like guys named David Vicuni, Brian Rabisky, and Mohamed Masakoy from, you know, all in the second round. Anyway, started really getting into it in college, wrote a poem my, my sophomore year called The Night Before the Draft, where I did the first round in, you know, a poem form. Really proud of it. It was the night before the draft was up, and I, I was just getting so into it, and it turned out to be pretty accurate. I got the first 14 picks right, uh, and then 24 of the 32 first-round picks, I either got the right spot the guy was going to or the right team the guy was going to. So I was, I was, I was very pumped up about that. I was really excited. And after that, I sent in my poem, resume, and a bunch of stuff all around. I sent it to a bunch of people at ESPN, any email address I can find. Sent it to people at Sports Illustrated. Sporting News was a thing back then. And just tried to just get it around to as many people as possible. Heard back from Sports Illustrated. And uh, they offered me an internship. It was in the... I mean, I thought I was going to be doing more writing. It turns out it was more in the copy edit department. But hey, still enjoyed that. Loved everybody I worked with. Thank you to Richard Demack for giving me that opportunity, and Gabe Miller for really just you know taking me under his wing and, and teaching me a lot about the business. And at Sports Illustrated, I learned that magazine wasn't really the future, and it shouldn't be where I at you know ended up. And when I went back to college, I kind of knew that. Started a website with a couple of my buddies called DraftPlaybook.com, where. My roommate TJ kind of designed it. My friend Brendan and I were two of the like writers and evaluators, but turns out junior year we didn't really follow up with it all that much. We just uh, wanted to, we just wanted to like watch good players and not really get all that into it. And we'll call it creative differences for why DraftPlaybook.com didn't really take off, but still fun nonetheless. And then. After college, I just got more and more into the draft. And at that point, the draft has always been my thing. Because, like I said before, Browns are often not really good September through December. April is a nice, very refreshing start. Now, recently, Peter King actually came out and said it was sad, you know, that Browns fans are more excited in April than they are in October. Well, I, that doesn't make any sense. He said, we have no faith. You know, that since we're more invested in April than October. I think, how does that make any sense, you know? I have so much faith in the Browns because of the draft. You know, if I didn't have any faith in the Browns, I wouldn't watch it. I'd say, nope, draft doesn't matter. We're going to screw it up anyway. Nope, not going to turn into the draft because whichever quarterback we take is going to suck. I have blind faith. You know, I have faith even though I shouldn't, you know, some of my cousins and uncles and 
a lot of Browns fans I know are really just torn down by this franchise. And my dad is the most optimistic Browns fan I know. You know, he's the one that's always, you know, this guy's a diamond in the rough. He just needs to play more. And hey, have we kicked the tires yet on this guy? I think he's still got a chance. And it's always just we're a couple players away, we're a couple plays away. And that kind of keeps me level because then I spend all day talking to the pessimist Browns fans who say, it's over, don't get into it. It, there's never, it's never going to go well for us. Get over it. So, it, I'm somewhere in the middle there. You know, I like to stay optimistic, but at the same time, I, I can lose my cool with the Browns sometimes. That being said, you know, you go back to what Peter King was saying. For him to say we have no faith because we're the franchise that tunes into the draft the most, that's a backward statement. It doesn't make any sense to me, and. Frankly, it's like it's just way wrong, and Peter King should know better. He's supposed to be like the god of sports journalism, you know, the sports, you know, not sports pope, that's that's Francesa, but like he's supposed to be on the Mount Rushmore of like football writers and football journalists. And come on, like you find me a franchise that when their team is 0 6, fielding a horrible football team has lost like 17 games in a row and just can't get things going. Tell me a team, that a fan base, that would be more excited to watch that team in October get shredded over the draft where they have the first and fourth overall pick, possibly being able to add the franchise quarterback and another franchise cornerstone player. It's so stupid to think that that's no faith. That's all the faith. Anyway. Show me a franchise that would get more excited for the 0-7 game rather than the face of the franchise day in April. I don't want to get I don't want to get too into it, but this is silly season and my head's just wrapped around in a pretzel right now going through all these prospects, which I'm finally done. You know, and this week I'm really excited to announce my top 50 players in the draft. I've done all the research I'm gonna do. It's over now. It's now just waiting through the bullshit to see. Who is going where, what the tea leaves are reading, what the rumors are saying, what's crap, what's not crap. So, to get in my top 50 draftable players this year, we'll start, and and I'm not going to go a full breakdown, I'll just do like a quick sentence on each guy, all right? Number one, Quentin Nelson, guard, Notre Dame. I, I mean... It, you just can't find anything wrong with him. I know I'm biased because you went to Red Bank Catholic. I went to Red Bank Catholic. We both were left tackles there. Family friend, uh, Notre Dame fan. He went to Notre Dame. So, look, I get why I'm biased, and I understand that, and I see it. Uh, but there's no flaws in his game. He's a really good kid, loves football. You know, If that's important to you, which it should be important to you, you want a player that wants to play football, not just plays because he needs to. His family's a good family, and there's no flaws to his game. That's the bottom line. He's he's going to be an instant starter, really good offensive lineman for a very long time. He's a very safe pick. I don't think it's crazy to say we're going to take a guard in the top five or whatever because, well, if he's your best offensive lineman on your team just because you know he was available at five but you would have taken him at 11, you know, where, where does that stand? You know, it's... He's the sure thing. Go ahead and take him. Number two, Saquon Barkley, running back, Penn State. Again, very safe player. He's got everything you could want. He's a create-a-player type guy where 
He's bigger than all the running backs, and he's just as fast as the fastest running back out there. He's got vision. He's a good person. He's everything you want to build your franchise around. The only knock is he's a running back, and they have shorter careers. And the the one negative about his game is he tends to kind of try to go for the home run every time rather than take what's given. Now, will that mean that he's going to bust? No, no, it doesn't mean that. But if he were to bust, look there first, you know, and say, wow, why did he bust? Well, probably because the vision of trying to bounce it outside all the time, you know, that wasn't there. But this guy's as clean as they come. He's the running back you want. He's He's got all, all the best traits of all the best running backs. And, you know, he's got v- Bell's patience. He's got Johnson's home run and catch ability. He's got the feet of LaShawn McCoy and the straight-up speed of him, too. Everything you want in a running back. Number three is Bradley Chubb, defensive end out of North Carolina State. A very complete defensive end. He's a very fine football player. And again, what you'll notice with my top guys, these are safe picks. You know Bradley Chubb's going to be a starter for a long time in the NFL. Possibly a couple Pro Bowls in there. I want him in Cleveland at number four to pair up with Miles Garrett. He's going to be very good as a 4-3 defensive end. Motor, gets after it, loves to mess around. He's the type of guy. And even Von Miller said he's a mix of Von Miller and Khalil Mack. Needless to say, there's nothing left. Minka Fitzpatrick is my fourth best player. Minka, defensive back out of Alabama. He's not a corner. He can play corner. He can play slot. But his best spot is free safety off the ball. Uh, he roams. He's he's an immediate captain. He's Nick Saban's son, which everyone everyone has been saying like he's the Nick Saban son. Nick Saban never kind of like touts a player that much. You know, he has NFL players every year, and he never really vouches for them as much as he's vouched for Minka Fitzpatrick. He should be a top fifteen pick. There's talk of him sliding right now, just because they're using his versatility as a negative. You know, more of like the master of none rather than a jack of all trades, which that's going to help a team picking 13, 14, 15, who really wants just a free safety who's going to be very good for a very long time. Okay. Uh, what we got next? Number five, my fifth best player and my first quarterback is Josh Rosen out of UCLA. Josh Rosen, there's nothing wrong with his game. There's absolutely nothing wrong. You know, we're going through all of these quarterbacks and we're trying to decide who's the best one, who's got the highest floor, the highest floor who's got the highest ceiling, uh, who's going to definitely reach their ceiling, who's going to... All of these things about what we're going into with the quarterbacks, if one guy is going to be good out of this bunch, it's Josh Rosen. What is wrong about his game? The only things that people try to pick apart are, oh, he, he's a thinker? Or he's got like an attitude, which is crap. It's it's bullshit. He doesn't have an attitude. He's just smart. He's always thinking ahead. All of these things that people are ripping him for, people could also say about Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's it's this air of thinking beyond football. It's so stupid. He's gonna be so good for some team. I don't know where he's gonna fall. If he goes to Denver at five. Like, he's going to be a stud in Denver. At the very worst, he's going to be a better Andy Dalton. That's the very worst he's going to be. And what's his best going to be? 
probably like MVP Matt Ryan. Josh Rosen, number five player in the draft. Number six is Derwin James. Watch the 360 uh, on him on the Move the Sticks podcast. Man, every, everything you want in a like Swiss Army Knife football player, he's the guy. Uh, safety out Florida State. He is big, long, tall. He's like everything you want in today's defensive back. You know, I think the Jaguars recently are, you know, like really stepping up this whole like D-back city type thing where, you know, you just want to load up on and as many of them as possible. And I think he's going to benefit from their rise. He's a top 10 pick. He, I, I don't, I'm not sure where he's going to end up because he recently turned down a visit with Tampa and I thought that was going to be a good fit for him. I would like him in San Francisco. I think that'd be really great. San Francisco Niners. Okay, number seven. Roquan Smith, linebacker out of UGA. Just a complete linebacker. You know, he's he's like a lesser build of Reuben Foster from Alabama. You know, just on field, not talking off the field stuff because that's crazy. But uh, think of a lesser build Reuben Foster, but he's very lean. He runs all over the field. He's like a really good person too. That's the other thing is he's the type of guy you want leading your team. And uh, a complete linebacker with no flaws in his game. Number eight, this is going to sound crazy, my second running back, Darius Geis, running back, LSU. He doesn't do anything wrong. He's everything you want, and he's one of my five guys. I have five guys in this draft that I say they're my favorite players. Darius Geis is my number one favorite player. Every time, I mean, between his social media and like having fun on Fortnite, his tour when he went around to Good Morning Football, he was hilarious. He was awesome. They called, like, Kyle Brandt called him the ball of butcher knives, and he embraced that. He is everything you want in a running back. He doesn't have the build that Barkley has, but he has the running style that everyone would want. He's going to be very successful in the NFL because of that. He never really got to show off his receiving ability, but that's just the way that they played there So, you know, at LSU. So I'm not surprised about that, but he's going to be a very good NFL pro. I want him badly in Cleveland to pair up with Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde. I think that'd be just a killer room of running backs. But Darius Geis, number eight player in the draft. Number nine, my second quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Mayfield does have a bust ability about him. He's small. Uh, he, you know, His athleticism is going to fall short in the NFL. But he is as accurate as a passer that's ever come out of college. He is a leader. He is a competitor. And he is going to make someone pay. He's going to probably go, here's another one, if Denver takes him. Or, you know, it seems like the Jets want him at three and that that would be the pick. Uh, I, I'd like it. I, I mean, if I was a Jet fan, I'd be uh, uh, so thrilled with him and Josh McCown in the same room together. I, I, I'm i still holding out hope that he's the pick at one for the Browns. I don't think that's the case, but, you know, holding out hope. Uh, he, Baker Mayfield... And again, one of my guys in the draft, one of my favorite guys. He is awesome, and he proved that at Oklahoma, at Texas Tech. He is a chip-on-the-shoulder type quarterback, but he is also an X's and O's quarterback. He's not Johnny Manziel. He is literally the opposite of Johnny Manziel. You know, Johnny Manziel was never the first one in, last one out. That's what Baker Mayfield is. You know, if you ever heard the story about him picking up D.D. Westbrook, going way out of his way to bring Westbrook to practice, that's the type of guy that Baker Mayfield is. He wants the best for his team, and he's willing to go the distance for his team. He comes off as a little rude, a little brash sometimes, 
I think people need to stop being so sensitive in the NFL. Number 10, I got I, I, you know, a Tremaine Edmonds, linebacker, Virginia Tech. Uh, I, I mixed up Terrell and Tremaine because they're twin brothers. One's the safety, one's the linebacker. But the linebacker uh, is a very complete linebacker. I don't know what it is why I don't have him above Roquan Smith because everything, it seems like he's right there with him. You know, Roquan Smith being my number seven player, Edmonds being my number 10. They're very close. And uh, he's another guy that's a very clean prospect, the guy you kind of want leading your team. A lot of people say he's like their favorite player in the draft. He's right up there for me. I think uh, he doesn't fall out of the top 10. Oakland at 10 seems like a really good landing spot. San Francisco at 9 could, you know, if they want to replace Ruben Foster, uh, I think Edmonds would be a top 10 pick, and he's just a really clean linebacker that flies around the, the field and, and makes plays. So uh, I, I think he's going to be a really good pro. Number 11, I got Vita Vey from Washington. He is not Danny Shelton. I know he is a defensive tackle that has the same hair as Danny Shelton, went to the same school as Danny Shelton, but they are not the same player. That is this athletic freak. Guys his size should not move the way he moves. He is going to be a problem. Somewhere in those low teens, I think, is his sweet spot for the draft. Next up is number 12, my third quarterback, Sam Darnold. You know, Sam's a, a tough, tough, uh, tough guess for me right now because I want to like him more, and I think I keep on pumping him up because of his rumored going number one. But, you know, to be honest, I am very nervous about Sam Darnold. He does have, like, that it factor that like uh, it X factor, whatever you want to call it, that you think he can be the type of gunslinger in the NFL to get the job done. Seems like a really great kid. Has the size to handle the NFL. Has that quote-unquote AFC Northness to him that you would want. And if the Browns took him number one or Jets at three, Broncos five, Giants two, wherever he goes in that top five, um, it, it's a good chance he ends up being a really good quarterback. Uh I think there's more Brett Favre in his game than people are pointing out. Uh, a, a lot of people like to compare him to Luck because of the stature. Uh, I, I can see that too, but Luck is a much cleaner prospect. Darnold's windup is a little concerning. His turnovers are very concerning, but the turnovers is something you can fix in the NFL. And if you go back and watch Aaron Rodgers wind up when he was coming out of college, it was gross. Now, He's, he's got the best throw in the NFL. So things can be fixed. Uh, and and I, I don't doubt that Sam Darnold will be a good NFL quarterback. Number 13, another one of my top five Jake players. He is my favorite defensive back, Jair Alexander from Louisville. He is the number one corner in this draft. He is not getting enough praise. He is a shutdown guy. He's a mix between Richard Sherman, Marcus Peters, He's got that swagger and attitude that you really need as a defensive back. He doesn't have as much tape because of the injuries. Uh, he was injured at the beginning of the season, and and you could see that in some of his film as well. But when he's on the field and when he's healthy, he is a lockdown cornerback. He right now is getting mocked in the 20s. I would not be shocked at all if he went early teens. I think he deserves to go that high, and I think... 
a year from now when everyone's going through the draft and saying, man, where was this guy? Why was he taken uh, here? Jair Alexander going to be one of those guys. So who's on my list? I got Darius Geis, Jair Alexander, Bradley Chubb. Uh, those are my first three on the list. You know, I, I know Baker Mayfield is on a separate list. You know, he's he's my guy, but uh, he's not exactly uh, on this list for uh, for this you know purpose. Okay, so number fourteen, Harold Landry, defensive end, Boston College. I think he's not getting nearly enough credit in this draft process. He's a very polished defensive end, and I think he's closer to Bradley Chubb than a lot of people are willing to admit. I have him above Marcus Davenport, who is that also like being talked about as that next tier defensive end. But I think Landry will end up to a team that and and kind of surprise people with how consistent he plays and that he does have a motor and he's got a great bend around the corner. Would not be surprised if he turns out to be one of these like rookie defensive player of the year type players. Number 15 is Denzel Ward, cornerback from Ohio State. Again, another very clean prospect. He's getting top 10 talk. I don't think he's better than Jair Alexander, even though everyone kind of anointed him the best cornerback you know, back in January, and I don't think that's the case. Uh, there's a lot of slot to his game, but I think he can hold up on his own outside. There's comparisons to Chris Harris Jr. I can see that. I think he's just, you know, everyone likes to point out the other Ohio State cornerbacks. He's way better than Eli Apple. He's not quite Marshawn Lattimore, but I would put him ahead of Bradley Roby. So in that, you know, between Roby Lattimore, that's a good corner, and that's so worthy of a first-round pick. Uh, number 16, Mo Hurst, defensive tackle, Michigan. My fourth on the list of favorite guys. So Mo Hurst has the heart condition a lot of people were scared off by because he left the combine early, but... If that proves to check out okay, and I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to assume that things are are okay when they're not. Let's just say, let's just say for argument's sake, it, it is okay. He is an incredibly gifted, penetrating defensive lineman. You know, a lot of people want to put like Rashawn Gary in Michigan as the D tackle, and he's going to be great. He's coming out, you know, next year, and he'll be awesome. But Mo Hurst, so underrated, he should be a first round pick. Every single time I do a mock draft and he's there at 33 for the Browns, I take him. I think it's crazy that he's not a lock for a first-round pick. Again, health. You know, I understand why. But it, I think he's going to be another one of those guys that, man, you play him at the three technique. He's a little undersized, yes. But he gets through the offensive line like a hot knife through melted butter. It's unreal how quickly he can, you know, get off the ball. Okay. Number 17, Mike Hughes, cornerback, UCF. Another guy, he's got great return ability, okay? Uh, showed that for the Knights uh, of UCF. He is he got that lockdown potential. The only problem is nobody saw him against tougher competition. You know, he played in, in a conference that isn't quite the SEC or the PAC or or any of these ones where you want to see corners coming out of. But what he proved is he's a mirror-type player. He can he gets in there. He gets dirty with his tackling. The returnability does help him. I really like his game. He's very smooth and athletic. 
and just seems like a very solid starter for a good amount of time. Some people have him the number one corner. I have him as number three, but I think it's pretty tight right now. Number 18 is Marcus Davenport, who is a physical freak. He's a lot like Ziggy Ansah. Uh, he coming out of UTSA, my Roadrunners. Uh, Davenport definitely needs some work as like an edge rusher. He doesn't really have more than just one move, but you can learn that in the NFL. A lot of guys come into the NFL without having moves and work on it, and, and that shouldn't be why you don't take this guy. He is very, very athletic, one of the best athletes in the draft. He should be taken somewhere in the teens. I don't think he makes it into the 20s to those playoff teams. I can see him going as high to like the Bengals, or you know, or I mean, sorry, as low to the Bengals at 21, and I think uh, he ends up somewhere around that 15-17 spot. But Marcus Davenport, very impressive defensive end out of UTSA. Number 19 is Isaiah Wynn. I just have him as an offensive lineman. You know, some he played tackle at Georgia. Some people want to put him at guard, but if he can play tackle, he's a very good offensive lineman, and I, I'm. He's, I think he's really good. I think he's one of the few tackle prospects. If you can play him at tackle, you should because there aren't a lot of tackle prospects on here. I'll have him at guard because that's what the NFL says he is. So still haven't seen a tackle on this lift, list, if you noticed. Uh, no wide receivers yet either. Not really a lot of talent at those spots in the first round. But Isaiah Wynn, very steady offensive guard with tackle experience. I expect him to be an instant starter in the NFL. Number 20, I I got James Daniels, center from Iowa. Talk about a guy who really showed up at the pro uh, the uh, NFL Combine. He looked like the perfect NFL center. His drills were amazing. He looked like almost a robot at times with how quickly he was just mirroring the other image or, or the other player on the uh on, on the mirror drill for offensive linemen. I think he'll be very good. Another instant starter, a guy taken in the 20s, maybe early second round. He'll be like one of the top players left for the second round. Uh, number 21, Billy Price, right behind him. If he didn't tear his peck at the combine, I might have him a little bit higher, but uh, guard out of Ohio State, he can play guard and center. The grit king of the Midwest He's going to be very good in the NFL. He should be ready by training camp. I have him right next to James Daniels because he could be better than him. But another guy that's going to be very good in the NFL. Versatility is key. Grittiness. He's a smart NFL player already. Number 22, Joshua Jackson, cornerback, Iowa. Uh, again, corner is a great Got a great spot in, you know, in the first round. If you're drafting in those like 20 area, you can be getting a guy. These these top five are all very close together. Jackson is a playmaker. Some people want to line him up as safety, which I get because he's long and athletic like that. But uh, he, he was making a lot of plays this year. He has a, a tendency to make pick sixes. He's got great hands. He basically ruined Ohio State's chance at the college football playoff. He's a... Straight up, like, man, man, he's like a gangster. He's out there. He is tough, physical. He's what you would build in today's, like, modern NFL cornerbacks because he's long and athletic and he looks like a safety out there. 
Number 23, Deron Payne, defensive tackle out of Alabama. I liked him a lot better during the season. You know, every time I watch him, he's disrupting the play. Seems like a very good interior pass rusher. Does his job. Um, I could have him higher, but I just think the cornerback class and the interior guards are, are right above him right now. But again, he should be a first-round pick. Uh, he's like He seems like a really fun guy, too. If you ever hear his interviews, you just want to like him because he seems pretty funny. But... I see him going like anywhere around like the Ravens at 16. Maybe the Redskins take him a little earlier than that. I see him as a pick in the teens. Rashawn Evans is my next guy, number 24, linebacker out of Alabama. Very complete linebacker. Just slightly less athletic than the guys Roquan and, uh, and uh, Edmonds out of Virginia Tech. But again, a very good linebacker out of Alabama. And if you're looking for a middle linebacker, you know here's you've got a few in the first round that could uh, really show up and 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 be pretty safe picks. My 25th player to you know wrap up the first half of my top 50 is Will Hernandez, guard out of University of Texas El Paso. Another you know phone booth kind of guard. He is not a guy you want to get in a one-on-one power battle with. Uh, he's got NFL strength already. And he's very athletic, like Vea at de- defensive tackle. You look at him and you say, S- guys that size should not be that athletic. And I think that's going to work really well for him in the NFL instant starter. Number 26, my next quarterback, Josh Allen, Wyoming. Now, I would not be offended if anyone said he doesn't belong in the top 50 because I understand he is very wild and inaccurate. He does not put the ball where it needs to be. Uh, some people are saying he doesn't throw short passes. No, he does. He just doesn't complete short passes. I've seen him throw some very bad balls that should be easy completions. I understand he's playing in Wyoming and he's playing a pro system and he's got a cannon on his right arm, maybe the best you know arm in draft era. I understand all these things, but we just can't ignore the fact that he doesn't complete a lot of passes and he doesn't have good game tape. You know, John Dorsey's saying, trust the tape. Does he win? You know, what do you see with your eyes? He checks off one of those threes, you know, because yes, with your eyes, you're like, wow, that's a quarterback. The other two, you're like, his tape, not great. Does he win? No. Well, is he like highly decorated? Not that either. It was honorable mention Mountain West. You know, he's not honorable mention Pac-12. He's honorable mention Mountain West. And this guy's getting talked up to be number one pick. I mean, it just seems very risky if you're going to be taking him very high. I understand that the risk may pay off to be the biggest reward. But with other quarterbacks on the board, I would go the safe route with Josh Rosen, not Allen. Number 27, I have Lamar Jackson. Why don't I have Lamar higher than Josh Allen? Because I do believe that Allen's arm and Allen's game translate well for the NFL. Lamar Jackson is a superstar style of player, but there's a level of professionalism that people are worried about right now because his mom's his agent, and apparently he's been very hard to get in touch with. His pro day was underwhelming, and every time people want to reach out to him, they notice that they're running into these problems. Now, why does that matter? You know, Why should you hold this against the guy? You really shouldn't, but 
you often see any time that family is involved with like instead of a super agent, you have like your family, whether it's like an uncle or your parents or whatever. Those tend to be distractions that kind of take away from your NFL ability, uh, not ability from your NFL play. And look, I hope Lamar Jackson proves me wrong. I hope he goes to a situation where he gets to learn underneath a good quarterback and eventually takes over and becomes a superstar because he has that ability. But right now it's just a little concerning because he doesn't have that accuracy. And while he does have this playmaking ability and the game-breaking ability and high character, he also didn't do well according to, you know, according to sources, uh, didn't do too well in the meetings with the teams, and he just isn't getting the talk right now that these other quarterbacks are. So I'm not going to ignore that. Number 28, Carlton Davis, quarterback, cornerback out of Auburn. Some people have him as one of the top corners. Uh, I have him as five, but could easily see him being right up there. He's very physical. He's got great size. He's got solid speed, and he did well for Auburn. Uh, I just don't have him as the top corner, but I do have him as a fringe first-round pick, and I think that's kind of where he's going to go. I think he'll go early second. Number 29, my first offensive tackle, <laughs> Mike McGlinchey out of Notre Dame. You know, he McGlinchey should be higher, but I just keep on remembering some of the biggest games, Georgia and Miami, and those were his biggest tests all year, and he didn't do as well as you'd like to say. Uh, I think he'll be a solid NFL player. I just, uh, it's hard for me to ignore those two games that, you know, Notre Dame needed those to make the college football playoff, and they got smoked by Miami, and he looked, you know, pretty pedestrian. And uh, again, he uh, had that strip sack on the final play against Georgia, so... You know, a lot of people look at that and say, man, that's what you remember from those games. And if he's getting beat by these, you know, big time college players, what do you think is going to happen in the NFL? So I still think he's very good and I, I uh, think he'll do well in the NFL, but uh, that's why he's not higher. And, and that's the highest offensive tackle. So that should tell you where this draft is. You know, the highest offensive tackle is Mike McGlinchey at 29. So. There are a number of guard centers in front of him. You know, James Daniels, Billy Price, Will Hernandez, Quentin Nelson. Uh, there are a lot of interior linemen that are go uh, should be first-round picks. Not exactly many tackles. And I feel like the tackles are getting forced up because of the lack of them this year. So be careful if you're drafting a tackle this year and you have high expectations. The money's with the guards the defensive tackles, the running backs, the corners. That's where the money is this year. Speaking of running backs, my number 30 player is Sony Michelle out of Georgia. He's a little bit older, but when you see him, it's hard not to think Willis McGahee. He's not as small as everyone thinks he is. You know, Just because Chubb did all the between-the-tackle stuff and he did more of the outside things, you know, he's proven that he is just as an effective runner as Saquon Barkley. You know, Barkley's numbers aren't better than anyone else's. He's just got the body and the ability. Well, Sony Michelle has the ability too. He's going to go to a team in the late first round where they're a playoff team and he's going to inser be inserted into a playoff offense and you're going to see a very Alvin Kamara-esque type role early in his career. I think he's going to do really well. 
and he's another one of my like favorites. Not exactly on my favorite list, but he's up there. Okay. Moving on, number 31, my first wide receiver, DJ Moore out of Maryland. Very tough, solid size, but again, this wide receiver class is a little underwhelming. Uh, I like DJ Moore as an early second round pick. I think a couple wide receivers will get forced into that first round, but again, that's what happens in the NFL draft, and that's why some of these guys fall from 20 to the second round. So watch out for DJ Moore, Maryland. You know, I don't think he'll be the first wide receiver taken, but I think he's the best. He's a good route runner. He is a good return man. Uh, pretty good hands. I know, you know, that some people want to point out when he played UCF, Mike Hughes got the pick six because of his bad hands. But uh, overall, I think he's a very good player. They ran a lot of offense through him last year. I think if he goes in and just is expected to be a number two wide receiver, he'll be very good. Number 32. Taven Bryan, defensive tackle out of Florida. I, I like Bryan a lot, but he does seem like he's playing like a chicken with his head cut off sometimes. He is not J.J. Watt. A lot of people want to say that because he's a white defensive tackle, which is you know so unfair. But he has always been a, surrounded by pretty good defensive linemen out of Florida, and he has shined a lot by being able to break through the defensive li uh, offensive line. He does look kind of out of sorts at times, but if he's surrounded by good defensive ends and playmaking linebackers, he should be an effective defensive tackle, at least on the rotational side. Uh, I think he's a step below Hurst, Payne, and Via, but I think he is still a first-round caliber defensive lineman because of his ability to add pressure from the interior. And you're seeing that's kind of like the popular thing this year is, well, defensive tackles, yes, they're you know supposed to be the run stuffers, but being able to rush the passer from the three technique and in, you know, from the guard through the guard, guard center guard, if you can rush the passer there, that's where the NFL is these days, is being able to rush the passer from every spot along the defensive line. And Taven Bryan's a good example of a guy that can do that. And this draft will be a good example of guys that can do that. Number 33, I have another offensive lineman. Uh, it's uh, th This one's going to be a tough one to, uh, to, to guess because a lot of people have Connor Williams as a tackle, but I'm hearing more guard uh, workouts at guard just because he doesn't have the preferred NFL size and speed along the outside. So he might be a guard. But I'll say he's just a tackle for now because that's what he was at Texas, and he still is getting a lot of reps there at you know and and thought at tackle, and frankly because there aren't a lot of tackles, so he's a guy that I think will be end of the first round because of the need for tackle. A team will take him just because hey we need tackle and there aren't many left. Okay. Next up, number thirty-four, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver, Bama, very smooth runner. Uh, he's got good routes. I know it's a lazy comparison to say Amari Cooper, but that's who you see when you watch him play. You see Amari Cooper. And look, I know it's easy, but hey, if that's the comparison, that's the comparison. He's got pretty good hands. He's got pretty good speed. He is old. He's 24 already. So consider that when you're taking these wide receivers that some of these guys are 20, and yet Calvin Ridley is 24. So he's a bit up there in age. He's already polished. He kind of seems maxed out a bit. 
A lot of people think he'll be the first wide receiver taken, maybe 19 to Dallas, maybe 16 to Baltimore. I kind of see that as as high as he'll go. I think there are just too many other, like, for sure prospects at other positions that wide receivers are going to get pushed down a little bit. But he does seem like a first-round pick just because of the name, the recognition, the team, stuff like that, and the position, you know, because a lot of wide receivers won't get drafted all that high. They'll be pushed up. Number 35 is Leighton Vanderesh, linebacker out of Boise. The neck alone makes him a first-round pick. Uh, I could totally see him going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, wreaking havoc for years to come. He's a very smart linebacker. He forces a lot of turnovers. He knows exactly how to get the ball out of your hands, which I think is a very valuable trait and something that will come over into the NFL because just the way that people carry the ball sometimes, being able to strip is a very good quality. He hits hard. He tackles well. Uh, a lot of people want to compare him to Takeo Spikes, but I think that's only because of the neck. Uh, what I see is a lot of Patrick Willis and uh, more of the thumper of the inside of like a better Reggie Ragland uh, or a athletic young Paul Puzlesny. You know, these are some, some good traits, good comparisons. Number 36, Christian Kirk, wide receiver, Texas A&M. Uh, a lot of people love Christian Kirk. I, he just doesn't look that fast on game tape to me. He does seem like a very complete wide receiver, a good like two, three kind of guy. Pretty good hands, pretty good route running, uh, isn't overly big. I just, uh, I, I'm, I think he's pretty good. I think he's pretty good, but I don't think he's a first round pick. I think he's a second round pick, but he might get pushed up into that first round because of need. And uh, he does bring that returnability. He does seem like he's got great vision out there. So I can see why people like him. I'm just a uh, more of a DJ Moore fan. And to be honest, uh, I think, uh, you know, for what it's worth, Anthony Miller would be available later. And Anthony Miller, to me, is one of my favorite guys. He just doesn't have quite the uh, panache that uh, <laughs> that Kirk has. So, uh, so yeah, uh, that's where I got at 36. 37, Sam Hubbard, defensive end, Ohio State. He's definitely not getting the love right now in this draft. Uh, I haven't heard a, a peep out of him. But when he's playing his best, he is a, an NFL pro. Like, this guy is going to be very good in the NFL. Uh, probably a rotational guy, but uh, definitely an impact player from day one. Can be your stand-up defensive end. Very athletic, but should play with his hand uh, in the ground. And again, he's coming from a defensive line that's had... A lot of success recently, and uh, he was one of the very good defensive linemen for Urban Myers, Ohio State. Number 38, another corner, Isaiah Oliver from Colorado. Good size, just not quite in that upper echelon of first-rounders. I think he'll be a second-round pick because of his size, because of his ability. He can play on the outside. He has good speed. Uh, a very well-rounded cornerback that... Isn't really a shutdown guy, but is but is going to be a solid pro. This is a very good defensive back class. And if this were another class, he'd probably be a first-round cornerback. But since there are so many guys in this one, he is getting a little overshadowed by the more playmaking, like gaudy corners that you're seeing, you know, big highlight film for. 
Number 39 is Harrison Phillips out of Stanford, defensive tackle, wrestling background. Uh, got a little hate recently on the Sims and Lefko podcast, and uh, I do think his athleticism leaves a little less than what you would want out of a former wrestler, but I still think you know being able to tear up the Pac-12, uh, he was a force and isn't exactly a stat guy, but is a glue guy that you need on your defensive line. I do like him a lot. I think he's going to be a good pro, but uh, um, you know, I I wouldn't take him in the first round as like or your first pick of anybody because he isn't going to be that type of guy that's a splash pick. He's more of a glue pick. Number forty. All right, so down to my time, final eleven guys. Ronald Jones Jr. running back USC. This guy has great tape. He's got very solid size. He is a good receiver out of the backfield when he got the chance. He is a touchdown machine. He even looks like Kamara. He has thick legs, but he still runs quickly. He has everything you want. And then the offseason happened, and he just looked poor in everything. He didn't look good at the pro day. He kind of looked like he wasn't paying attention at times. He uh, pulled something at the pro, at the combine, so he didn't get to show off there. He never got to run. So he's been slipping because of that. But I think that'll just benefit him because he'll get to a team kind of as an afterthought and then shock people and say, wow, yeah. Ronald Jones was one of those guys. He was that guy in that top running back class that everyone forgot about. Number 41 is my first tight end, Dallas Goddard. Uh, this was really tough you know, because I have 41 and 42 is Hayden Hurst, tight end of uh, South Carolina. I can't, I can't differentiate right now. You know, Goddard makes more splash plays. Hurst is more consistent in line. Uh, Hurst has a lot of athleticism. Goddard seems to have more of like a mean streak. You know, every everywhere these both of these guys are seem like very solid tight ends. It's a pretty good tight end class. There will be a couple that go in the first round. Maybe they don't. You know, maybe they'll get pushed up a little bit. But I could see someone like Jacksonville or Atlanta taking one of these guys at the end of the first round to help their offense. Maybe Pittsburgh grabs one. These these are some pretty good tight ends that are consistent and can make some plays, show some good hands. I got both of those guys kind of sneaking into the first round. Number 43, one of my, not my guy, but I really like, and I've pushed him up the draft board, and I'm happy I did because there's a lot of rumors about him being a first-round pick now, is Frank Ragnow out of Arkansas. Great story. He, he lost his father at a young age, and he's been just like a battler, a fighter, and he's that type of guy you want at center. You know, the team leader, everyone rallies behind Trust. Uh, he was part of some very good running offenses at Arkansas, and just a solid piece. He's not overly strong. He's not overly great at anything, but just just consistent and and just like, just dependable. And that's what you want at center. You want a consistent guy. And the you know the rumors have been swirling that he's a first round pick. So hard to ignore that. All right. Uh, down to my final six or seven guys. Arden Key, uh, defensive end, Louisiana State. It's hard to really put a draft number on him because you know the ability is there, but he quit on his team. So that's a really tough thing for me to kind of put him up because I don't like guys who quit on their team and then want to come back later. I always hated that you know, in high school or whatever when 
you uh, put yourself before the team, and uh, and then when you come back for your own personal benefit. So I understand that you know he had some off-field stuff, and that's going to have to be heavily weighed. I think he goes. Well, I have no idea because I don't know if teams are going to blackball him and make him wait till day three, or if someone takes a chance on him, kind of like Randy Gregory, or like one of the injured guy linebackers in the past few years. So that's my guess is that someone takes a chance on him at the end of the second round because they know that the talent is there and that he has played well in the SEC at defensive end, which is one of the most important positions to fill. Okay. Uh, number 45. Uh, ooh, you know what? This was another tough one. I went with the next wide receiver on the group, Cortland Sutton. Uh, wide receiver of SMU. He's got a huge body. He's got good hands. He's big. He's athletic. And he makes big plays. The one knock on him is he doesn't get a lot of separation. And when you see wide receivers bust in the NFL, it's because they can't separate from NFL corners. Now, that concerns me because, you know, it's the one thing that's consistent is if you can't separate, you're usually not going to be very good. So, it should be interesting to see how he works on that and, how, and what he brings to the NFL because he has, when you look at him, he has everything you would want in a wide receiver. He looks like Josh Gordon out there. He's a very big wide receiver and he's got good hands and he makes some very nice highlight real plays. But got to be able to separate or else what are you doing out there? Don't make the cornerback's job easy for him. Okay. All right. Final five guys. Again. Kind of feels like I'm pushing some of these guys up because of the position. But number 46, Colton Miller, offensive tackle, UCLA. I liked him a lot higher than this, like top 30 before. But, you know, there were some times that he just looked very pedestrian against some middle-of-the-road Pac-12 teams. And that kind of concerns me going into the draft. You say, well, he dominated at times, but at offensive line, it's, it's tough because you need to be good all the time because all it takes is one or two bad plays for you to have a bad game. It's a very unfair thing. It's the complete opposite for defensive line. Defensive line, you just stay consistent, make two or three splash plays, and you had a great game. You know, you play 60 plays and you just do your job for 50 of them, and then the other 10 are, you know, wishy-washy of five bad plays and then five good plays. Guess what? You had a good game. Offensive line... If you have a 60-play game and you have 55 where you did your job and then you had five where you didn't, that's a bad game. It's unfair, but that's the way it is for offensive line. And that's kind of where I see Colton Miller falling in this one because I think a couple times, like McGlinchey against Georgia, you know, everyone remembers the bad plays for offensive linemen. So he's got good size. He's coming from a good program. He did well for the most part. We'll see if the consistency is there for Miller uh, at 46. 47, Rashad Penny, uh, running back, San Diego State. He is not Donald Pumphrey. He is much bigger. He's got a great frame for running back. He gets good yards after contact. He looks like a smart runner. Uh, he's got great vision. Breakaway speed is, is there. Even though it might not be measured well, it's on the field. The one concern... Doesn't really, didn't really show he knew he, what he was doing in the past pro game. But again, that's something that as long as you bring the effort, the coaching will teach you on, on past pro. 
Uh, he does seem like a guy that might slide because of all these running backs, and he has you know lesser known because he didn't face the stiffest of competition. But he could end up being a little bit of that diamond in the rough of the why wasn't Penny you know getting more talk of a first round pick? He's uh, very good and he's very big and he's pretty fast for being that big. Okay, so last few guys. Number 48, Tyrell Crosby out of Oregon, offensive tackle. Big guy, plays with a mean streak, but is he athletic enough to play through the NFL schedule? Uh, and is he going to be powerful enough to, uh, you know, it, it, does that meanness turn into strength? If he could do that, he's a very intriguing tackle prospect in this draft. I like him a lot. Uh would be interesting to see who takes a chance on him in the second round. 49, Nick Chubb, running back, Georgia, has had injury history. That's why he's this low, because he's a very consistent and very established running back. He has a lot of miles on those tires. So, you know, you're drafting a running back who already got beat down pretty hard in, in college. But if you bring him into a platoon situation where you don't have to rely heavily on him, you know, if Carolina gets him, uh, you know, put, and makes him like the new younger Jonathan Stewart to combine with uh, Christian McCaffrey. I think that's a great combo. That'd be a really nice spot for him. Number fifty. You know, this I was jumping back and forth between. I really like Anthony Miller, wide receiver, Memphis. He runs good routes. He has good speed and just does everything you know right. I listened to a, an interview with safety Jesse Bates out of Wake. Uh, I want to like him, but again, he seems kind of like a jag, just a guy where, you know, good player, but for my top 50, I wanted, uh, you know, a, a guy that has a chance to be like great. And I think Terrell Edmonds, uh, the other Edmonds brother out of Virginia Tech safety, has a chance to do that. And maybe it's because I'm mixing up his tape with his brothers. That might be true, but he flies around the field. He makes plays. He just seems like one of those guys that if you had 11 of them, you're going to win. So anytime I think about that, I go, would I want 11 of these guys on my team? And uh, with him, that's kind of the answer. So so yeah, so he's number 50. That's my top 50 players. Uh, really excited about it. I will share the list. And uh, this was a long breakdown of it, but I appreciate you listening. Before I let you go, I got a couple things I want to run through. Okay, so my top 50 players. Not exactly. Uh, what I want to point out is that those are the players I think, hey, they are just the best right now. I, I try not to elevate them based on what they can do, and I try to grade them on what they are right now. You know, There's a chance number 49 ends up being the best player. I'm not going to put him up there because I don't see it just yet. Uh, and if I think a guy like Anthony Miller is going to be the best wide receiver, but I don't see it just yet, I'm not going to put him in the top 50. Okay, The all-Jake team. You know, thank, I, I had so much fun watching all these guys this season uh, with, uh, with the draft and everything. Uh, with all of my uh, scouting, uh, my amateur scouting, I'm very proud of all the work I did. But here's my all-Jake team. Uh, offense, quarterback, Baker Mayfield. He is not the number one quarterback in this class. But if I had to pick a quarterback to lead me, he is the guy for me. I love his leadership ability, I love his accuracy, and I love the fact that he is a guy you want to rally behind. He's the type of quarterback I would want to block for. So for me, Baker Mayfield. 
My offensive line, I cheated a little bit here because I didn't love the tackles in this one. So I kind of loaded up on interior offensive line because I think this five-man group can get it done. Left tackle, I would put Quentin Nelson. I think he can play left tackle in the NFL because there are no flaws in his game. I know he's going to play guard. No one's going to draft him to be tackled because they haven't seen him there. Why would you take a guy top five and put him in a position you've never seen him play? You wouldn't do that. So Quentin Nelson, left tackle, I think he could do it. In the, in the all-Jake team, he most certainly can do it. Left guard, okay, I'm putting James Daniels there. He has a lot of versatility. He's a phone booth blocker. Very consistent, great form. Big fan of James Daniels. I think he's going to play really well in the NFL. My center is Frank Ragnow. I said it before. I really like him. He's he's just solid, consistent, another leadership type guy. That's what you get for being on the All Jake team. You got to show leadership abilities and just dependability, consistency, and just the Iron Man. You know, always being there and always being relied upon. My right guard is Billy Price, Ohio State. Very gritty. Very consistent. Right tackle, I'm putting Isaiah Wynn from Georgia. I think he's going to be a tackle in the NFL. I think he's going to be very good at it. He just doesn't show any flaws in his game. My specialist, Darius Geis, is my running back. Not Saquon Barkley. I know he's the best running back, but if I had to pick a running back to get three yards, I'm going Geis because I know he can run through guys to get it. Barkley, at times, has shown he'd rather bounce outside. Now, Barkley is that type of guy that if you say, hey, you need to work on this, he'll work on it, and he'll become the best at it. But for me, my my all-Jake team, Darius Geis is the running back. My wide receivers, I've got Anthony Miller, DJ Moore, and Dante Pettis out of Washington. Uh, I've commented on the other guys plenty. Moore, Miller, good route runners, tough players, good hands. Pettis, I really like his game. I, I asked a couple other scouts does he remind you of Keenan Allen? And none of them said yes. But to me, he reminds me of Keenan Allen. He's a smooth route runner, good hands. He plays tall. I like him. He's got good return ability. And, you know, he was in Washington where they had a lot of playmakers around. But he stuck out to me. And I really like him. And he would be on my all-Jake team. And my tight end would be Dallas Goddard. The one-handed catches, the touchdowns. He makes a lot of really fun plays. And he's a guy I would want at tight end. And my... Specialty all-purpose player on the all-Jake all offense is Sony Michelle. Again, I think he's going to be a very, very good pro, and I think he's getting overlooked. Uh, he's a little bit older for running back, but I think he's going to be an immediate impact guy. The all-Jake defense, Bradley Chubb at defensive end. You know how good he is. He's wildly consistent, and he gets to the quarterback every play. He makes his presence known. On the inside, I have Mo Hurst. Love him. I think he is a penetrator, and he is going to be a very good pro. He is going to get passed up on by a lot of teams for his medical, but when he's on the field, he is going to be good. My other defensive tackle, another guy I haven't mentioned yet, P.J. Hall, Sam Houston State. Small school guy. A lot of people like him to Don Terry Poe, but not Don Terry Poe. They're just saying that type of player. He does move really well for a defensive like nose guard, and... I would like to see him against bigger competition, but if he can hold his own, he's a very exciting player, and he moves really well for a big guy, and I like that a lot. And he's not getting the same love that all these other big-time defensive tackles are, so I give the love, you know. My other defensive end, I'm going Marcus Davenport, high upside, a lot of athletic, freaky ability. Love that at defensive end. 
My linebackers going Roquan Smith. Roams all over the field. Always knows where to be. He's a leader. Captain type. And my other one is Jack. I, I keep on forgetting how to pronounce it. Sitchy or Kitchy. I think it's Kitchy. He's been hurt. But at Wisconsin, when he's on the field, he is a playmaker. He is a leader. And I like linebackers out of Wisconsin. Borland. More recently, Joe Schobert to the Cleveland Browns was a pro bowler this year on a winless team. He was a pro bowler. Linebackers know how to play football out of Wisconsin. And uh, he's the type of guy that if he can stay healthy, he's not going to have a very long NFL career. He's not going to be a starting linebacker. He's probably going to be a bench guy and a special teams guy. But he is an all-Jake guy. And my D-backs, Mike Hughes and Jair Alexander as my cornerbacks on the outside. Again, I think they're the shutdown types in this draft class. I think they can be very good immediately in the NFL. Alexander is got that cockiness, and Hughes has that smoothness and that returnability. My defensive safeties, Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick. Again, took two of my top you know, 10 players on here, but they're going to be awesome in the NFL. They're very safe picks this year. Derwin James is a super freak athlete and going to immediately make his presence known. And Minka, while not exactly being the Flash-type player, anyone that's been known to be Nick Saban's son, he's an automatic favor in my book. And my fifth DB, that's right, I'm going with a fifth DB for the All-Jake team. Heath Harding, cornerback, Miami University of Ohio. Now, not a lot of people know who Keith Harding is. He is going to be a day-three pick. But like Jack Kitchy. He is just the type of player you want on your team. No corner in this draft tackles like Heath Harding does. I am a big fan. I would love to see him on special teams. I think he's better than practice squad. I think he will have trouble with NFL wide receivers. But if he can work on it, he's the type of guy you want in your lineup because a cornerback who gets his head in the mix and, and isn't afraid to get dirty, that's my kind of guy. And my... Specialist, my defensive specialist, my 12th man, Kamoko Ture, defensive end, Rutgers, freak athlete, can really dip around the edge. Uh, interesting to see if he can play in a 3-4 outside linebacker spot and a 4-3 defensive end. Uh, he's got long arms, very athletic, knows how to use them, and uh, hasn't been playing football all that long, but... Uh, when he's on the field, you can see he is a disruptive pass rusher and somebody is going to end up with him and be very happy. All right. So listen, that's my draft this week. Uh, I had so much fun this, this year going over all of the tape. I wasted a lot of time on these guys, but I, I enjoyed it a whole lot and really excited for the draft a week from today. Going to have a whole big draft episode next week where I've got a couple few a few guests coming on, and we'll discuss things uh, that are all draft-related. Jake Burns from Waiting for Next Year, you've heard back in December. He'll be on. We'll talk some quarterbacks. Uh, Brendan Leister, also on from the Browns Note. He was on a couple months ago. We will get into kind of the predictions. What do we see? Where, do we, where are guys going to be falling? Uh, what type of players should the Browns be targeting? Uh, we also got Mr. Reed from Climb the Pocket. Uh, Jay Reed from, uh, I think he's a Minnesota guy, but his uh, analysis and uh, scouting have been really 
a good follow this year on Twitter. I've, I've been following him a lot, and I really liked a lot of the players that he pointed out early in the draft process I took notice of, and I'm really excited to get uh, to him and see who he thinks is going to be like the risers and fallers of this draft. And we'll have a few other guests as well. We'll make a few bold predict- predictions, think who falls, who's going to be the number one pick, what position the Browns don't address, what uh, positions fall out of the first round, or who gets overdrafted. A lot of fun stuff next week on the Jake, on the night before the draft episode of the Jake. Tune in Wednesday, April 25th. Thank you all for listening. Have a good weekend.